The scripture passage today comes from the 13th chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 10. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When Jesus said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things being done by him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. We are here, O Lord, to learn about all the wonderful things being done by you. Open our hearts and minds to receive you through the word just read and the words to come. O God, our rock and refuge. Amen. Who we connect with in a scripture passage often influences how we hear the word of God. And who we identify with can change depending on the season or the circumstances of our lives. I think this is one of the amazing gifts of the Bible, how the living word of God can speak to us with new wisdom and insight each time we read it. In today's passage, Jesus is teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and in shuffles a bent over woman. Do you identify with her? She has been suffering for 18 long years. I can easily picture her because there was a physician in my mom's church in Reno who was bent over at the waist with a combination of osteoporosis, Parkinson's, and other maladies. His body was permanently fixed in a 90-degree angle. He had to twist his head around awkwardly to catch a glimpse at the stars in the sky or to look into the faces of other people. When I hear of the bent over woman, I think of the things that may be weighing heavily upon us, causing our spirits to stoop. Are you feeling burdened by guilt, anger, or worry? Are you carrying the heaviness of cancer, addiction, or other chronic pain? Are you struggling from the weight of caregiving or grief? If so, you may relate to the bent over woman. Can you imagine the hands of Jesus upon you, that warm healing touch that sets you free? After the woman received her healing, she stood up straight, looked Jesus in the face, and began praising God. 
Perhaps you are feeling well in body, mind, or spirit on this day. So you don't see yourself as the bent over woman. If so, praise God. Do you by chance identify with the leader of the synagogue? This one's a little harder to admit. He's a devout Jew. He knows the rules and he follows them. He is doing his duty to make sure that everyone else is following the rules too. You know the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, is not a suggestion or a recommendation. It's a commandment from God. It was once chiseled on stone for heaven's sakes. Certainly, some of us can relate to this guy who is simply trying to enforce God's rules. Ah, and then there's Jesus. None of us gets to claim that we are Jesus in the story. By the way, anyone who claims to be just like Jesus is actually farther away than they will ever realize. Jesus gives us a new lens with which to see the law. I wouldn't say that Jesus wears rose-colored glasses, but it's like he has two different prescriptions. You know how they make a lens to see distance and then make another lens so that you can see close up and somehow your brain works its magic and you can see clearly? Well, I think the distance lens that Jesus wears is love. He sees with love for everyone out there. The other lens is compassion because compassion happens up close with careful listening with an encouraging smile and a healing touch looking at the law through the lens of jesus changes everything in this case jesus harshly called the synagogue leader and his cronies hypocrites because they made allowances in the law to untie their beasts of burdens to give them a drink of water and yet, by denying this woman the gift of healing, they devalue her as a child of God. By their actions, they are saying that animals are more important than their fellow human beings are. The act of compassion by Jesus helps us to see the law in a new way. Jesus' healing on the Sabbath said to the ancient audience and to us today, can you hear me now? Now, this is not the first time that Luke records Jesus getting into trouble on the Sabbath. In Luke 4, Jesus established his authority over the unclean spirits by healing a man with a bad spirit. After this healing, word of Jesus began to spread among the authorities. In Luke 6, the Pharisees caught the disciples plucking some heads of grain on the Sabbath and eating them. And they asked Jesus, what are those disciples doing? Why are they doing that which is not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Can you hear me now? Also, in Luke 6, when Jesus was teaching in yet another synagogue, a man entered with a withered hand. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him like a hawk to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus called the man up to him, and he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or destroy it? When no one could answer him, Jesus healed the hand. Can you hear me now? I think I'm hearing what Jesus is saying about keeping the Sabbath. 
Last time I checked, it's still part of the Ten Commandments. So he didn't abolish it. He breathed life into it. Original support for Sabbath observance was both theological, God rested on the seventh day, and practical, workers and animals need rest. I think the trouble started when people began to question all of the different things that could happen on the Sabbath to take them away from rest. Even though over 39 categories of activities were written to carefully define work for the Jewish community, as Christians, we turn to the Lord of the Sabbath for our direction. Listen to this invitation from Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, adapted from the Message Bible. Are you tired, worn out, weighed down by heaviness? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. How does that sound to you? Sign me up. The Sabbath was given way back in Exodus as a gift a gift of life to those who had known the terrible burden of slavery. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat, which as a verb simply means to stop. Stop and rest. Old, young, rich, poor, slave, free, citizen, foreigner, you are all simply and completely human beings alongside one another, all beloved children of God. We have to step out of the mindset and the activity of the world around us. The measuring, comparing, competing, striving, producing, and consuming. We have to regularly stop doing and practice being, trusting that the world will continue to turn without us. I'd like to invite you to try something with me. Take a nice, deep breath in through your nose. Hold it for a moment, and then exhale. When we breathe, we do not stop inhaling because we've taken in all the oxygen we will ever need. But because we have all the oxygen we need for this breath, then we exhale, releasing carbon dioxide and making room for more oxygen. Sabbath, like the breath, allows us to imagine we have done enough work for this day. As always, Jesus knows the heart of God. Through the lens of Jesus and these stories in the New Testament, we are able to see more clearly how Sabbath is meant to be a gift. Sabbath is intended to be life-giving, but even Christians have been overzealous with Sabbath-keeping. We've all heard about, and some of us may have even experienced, the extremes of joyless Sabbath, filled with strict prohibitions and somber rituals. 
I want us to take a fresh look at the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Sabbath is often listed as one of the spiritual practices to help us be open and available to God for transformation. A place where we delight in God's good gifts and where we demonstrate our trust of God and God's ways. We must create space for growth, space for life, space for spirit. It reminds me of the novice gardener who had planted seeds in his garden. He was so impressed with the turnip and the carrot greens that were flourishing on top of the ground that he just couldn't bring himself to thin them out. They all looked so healthy and strong. But guess what? He didn't get a single turnip. There just wasn't room for them to grow. Everything as it grows needs space. Children, a home, a career, a project, a hobby, a spiritual practice. Everything needs space and everything needs time. As you begin to wonder about creating space and time for the life-giving gift of Sabbath, I think it helps to see it as a way of ordering our lives. Keeping Sabbath is honoring the rhythms of things, work and rest, giving and receiving, being and doing, activism and surrender. Even though we are all in different stages and seasons of life, we all need the gift of Sabbath, time to rest the body, replenish the spirit, and restore the soul. Historian James Adams tells the story of an explorer who worked with indigenous people in the upper Amazon. After receiving news that he needed to leave the jungle for just a time, the explorer enlisted the help of a local chief and some others for a three-day march out of the jungle. They hurried, they their hurried expedition made great progress on days one and day two. But when it was time to break camp on the third day, the explorer was surprised to see that the men refused to budge. Questioned about the reason for the delay, the chief explained they are waiting. They cannot move farther until their souls have caught up with their bodies. How is it with your soul? Are you feeling refreshed and connected with God? Or are you feeling bent over and empty? I wonder if a practice of Sabbath would breathe life into you once again. Just listen to what God is inviting us to. A day of delight for humankind, animals, and the earth. We stop our work we worship, we slow down and savor people, the sights, sounds, tastes, and aromas of food and of all of creation. Dan Allender says it's a time to feast, play, dance, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Very simply, Sabbath is time dedicated on purpose for no activity other than to dwell in our own lives and to let God meet us there. 
For those of us who are working full-time and those who may be raising children, you may need to begin by practicing a few hours of Sabbath each week rather than a full day. Perhaps a Sabbath afternoon, a Sabbath hour, or maybe even a Sabbath walk. Anything that preserves a visceral experience of life-giving nourishment and rest is good. Sabbath time is time off the wheel, time when we take our hand from the plow and we let God and the earth care for things, if only for a few moments. For those who are retired, you may need to reframe your Sabbath rest to set it apart from other leisure activities. I know many of you who volunteer countless hours, and not only just at Church of the Palms, and we are ever so grateful, yet you too must find a rhythm and balance between times of active engagement and times of reflection. For all of us, Sabbath is not a private, self-indulgent practice. Like Christianity, it's communal. It's meant to be experienced with friends and family. Perhaps you go to church, attend a spiritual formation class or a small group, prepare or enjoy food together, take a nap, dig in the community garden, or even playing a game. Perhaps the questions you ask of each other and yourself can be shaped by a longing to be known and to know our Creator. All of this is sacred time. It's shaped by gratitude for the recognition that life and all of it, it all of that it entails is a gift from God. In her book, Sacred Rhythms, Ruth Haley Barton captures the spirit of Sabbath and it really spoke to me, so I wanted to share it with you. There have to be times in your life when you move slow, times when you walk rather than run, allowing your body to settle into each step, times when you sit and gaze admiringly at loved ones rather than racing through an agenda, times when you receive food and drink with gratitude and humility rather than gulping it down on your way to something more important, times when hugs linger and kisses are real. There have to be times when you read for the sheer pleasure of it, marveling at the beauty of words and writers' endless creativity in putting them together. There have to be times when you sink into comforts of home and become human again, rather than using home as a hotel or a fast food restaurant. Times when you light a candle and find the place inside you that loves, and then pray out of that place. There have to be times when you let yourself feel what you feel, when you let tears come rather than blinking them back because you don't have time to cry. There have to be times to be the creature, softer, more vulnerable, and more human, rather than always being tough, defended, and in control. There have to be times to sit with your gratitude for all the good gifts in your life that get forgotten in the rush, to celebrate and play and roll down hills and splash in water and spread paint on paper or walls or each other. There have to be times 
to sit and wait for the fullness of God that replenishes body, mind, and soul, if you can even stand to be so full. There has to be time for the fullness of time, or time is meaningless. I am such a beginner at keeping Sabbath, but the more I read about the gift God wants for each one of us, the more I want it woven into the very rhythm of my life, because I too want to stand up straight and begin praising God. I can hear you now.